0: Thank you, Jessica. What a wonderful song and what a wonderful thought, and I would hope that uh, this morning we can be still and hear what God's Word has for us. We're reading this morning again from John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We'll start in verse 15. We'll read through uh, the end of the uh, chapter. Now, just to give you a little update and catch you up, this event that we're looking at and the whole Uh, Last chapter of the book of John occurred in the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. It's been 35 days since we celebrated Easter Sunday. Friday would be the 40th day. So we're still looking in the frame of time that this event would have happened. We don't know if it was the first week, the third week, uh, the last week or whatever after the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it happened within this time frame that we're in right now. Up to now, we've focused on, in the last several weeks we looked this past scripture, uh, Jesus' awareness of the disciples. If you remember, they were fishing. They were fishing, and they had toiled all night and caught nothing. And just as they were finishing up the disappointing evening, Jesus shows up. Now, he was aware of where they were. He was aware of their Disappointment because he asked it this way You don't have any fish, do you? He was aware of what they needed, and he had exactly what they needed when they came to shore. Of course, it was a renewal of happy times. And we talked about the fact that they were all gathered with Jesus around the fire once again. If you remember, Jesus traveled quite a bit, and he said specifically, He did not have a place to lay his head. Uh, for three years they traveled around and many times I'm sure they were on the road and they slept and they ate in the open air and this was a renewal of some happy times of sharing time with Jesus around the fire. We also looked at the personal conversation between Jesus and Peter and what was revealed here is Peter's change of focus. Now Jesus says specifically in Matthew chapter 16 he says Peter, you're not focused on the things of God, but on the things of man. And we realize the focus of Peter was mainly on Peter. He was focused on himself. It was Peter that said, I am ready to go with you even into death. It was Peter that said, All of these will forsake you, but I'll never forsake you. And in this conversation, as Jesus says, Do you love me? Three different times, Peter finally said, Lord, You know all things. You know what I am. You know what I've done. You know what I can do. You know all things. And you know that I love you with just as much strength as a frail human heart can love you. So we understand that all of these things have happened. And when we come and we're going to read through this uh, event all the way to the closing verses of the book of John. And we start in chapter 21 verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will gird you. And carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, is this the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know That his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Now we have a beautiful ending to the book. In verse 25, there are many other things that Jesus did. If they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This beautiful ending is quite appropriate because the whole book is beautiful. The whole book is beautiful and it has a beautiful ending, but it has an equally beautiful beginning. I want to read the opening verses of the book of John. They will not be on your screen, but I want you to just listen to just how beautifully John begins his book. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of of grace and truth. John frames the entire gospel with this beautiful introduction that the world the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw him we beheld his glory and the glory was at the only begotten of God of grace and truth the entire doctrine of Jesus Christ and his coming to the world and his deity being the son of God all wrapped up in these beautiful verses. So we have a beautiful ending to the book of John, quite appropriate for the entire book in its beauty. But now we have some beautiful messages from these closing verses. That's what I want to look at just for a, a little while this morning is the beautiful messages from the beautiful closing verses of John. First, you have the reliability of the witness. John closes with the next to the last verse saying, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know this testimony is true. Well, not only did he say it there, but he also said in chapter uh, 9, verse 34, chapter 19, verse 34, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled, that not one of his bones should be broken. And another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. John establishes the reliability of the witness. We know his words are true. And then he says, of course, in chapter 19, the scriptures verify what I have just told you. But I want to look at just a few things this morning before we go to another point. How do we know that John wrote the book? The gospel says the title, The Gospel According to John. The title, According to John, was attached to this book as soon as it began circulating around 100 A.D. If you'll notice reading through the book of John, the name John is never mentioned. Now, John, the apostle, is mentioned more than any other apostle in the gospel writings and in the book of Acts. Some 35 times, more than any other of the apostles. So we know he's a very prominent person. If any other person had written this gospel, don't you think he would have mentioned the name of John? But John, being a humble man, never addresses himself by name. He may address himself as disciple whom Jesus loved or that other disciple, or another disciple, never by name. So we realize that John doesn't mention himself by name, and any other writer would have definitely mentioned such a prominent leader. Now, a church leader named Irenaeus, who lived from 130 to about 202, mentioned specifically in his writings that John wrote the fourth gospel. Well, who is Irenaeus? Irenaeus was a disciple of a man named Polycarp. Polycarp lived from about 69 AD to 155. Well, who was Polycarp? How would he know? Polycarp was the closest disciple of the apostle John. John took Polycarp on as a disciple. Polycarp knew that John had written this gospel. In fact, was a disciple of his as this gospel was being written. Polycarp takes on Irenaeus. There is an unbroken chain of information passed through the men through the centuries. So we realize Irenaeus would know that John wrote this gospel. Church fathers, Jerome, Origen, Tertullian, Justin Martyr, all early church fathers are in unanimous agreement that by the year 200, They are agreeing that John wrote this book. And we understand that not only did John write this book, but the facts are confirmed and validated. They are validated, of course, by the word of God, as John mentioned in chapter 19. But if you look at one little word, and we know that his testimony is true. Who's who's this we? We know that his testimony is true. The writings of several early church fathers report that John wrote this gospel at the request of many of the pastors and other leaders of the church, that John would teach and orally talk about the sayings of Jesus and orally talk about the, uh, the, the signs of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. John was getting old. And the other gospel writers had already passed away and their gospels were being circulated and they said, John, you need to make sure that this gets written down. Several church fathers testified to the fact that they requested him to do this and that he wrote this book in collaboration with other eyewitnesses and close associates of the apostles. And they who were with him as he began to compile this book Put their seal of approval on the book. So this we is part of the ones who were involved in the compilation of the book of John that he did indeed write. But they said, this is the disciple who testifies of these things. We know that his words are true. He's a reliable witness. So as you read through the book of John, not only do you have a very beautiful book talking about the beautiful life of Jesus Christ. You have the message of this confirmed by the Old Testament scriptures and by those who could fact check. Of course, the, uh, the term that goes around a lot of times of critics of the Bible is this is all just a hoax. This is a myth that people made these things up. There are enough people who saw Jesus Christ and who were still alive at the time the Gospels were written that would fact check these things. And they could tell if these things were not true. And we realize by the end of the first century, by the end of, of course, the year 100, these gospels were circulated around and validated as true. The second beautiful message that we have is the total honesty of Jesus Christ. Jesus will let us know exactly what the truth is. In verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He had just more or less validated the ministry of Peter again, asking him if he loved him and reaffirmed his love to Jesus. And he said three times, shepherd my flock, feed my sheep, take care of that. That's the most important to me. So we realize Jesus told Peter in front of the others, I've got confidence in you to take care of that that's important to me. Now, I need to talk to you about what's going to happen. And he was honest with Peter. Now, we can read this as the general progression of someone in old age. When you're younger, you gird yourself, and you walk where you want to go, and you do what you need to do. Now, when you're older, you'll stretch forth your hands for folks to help you. They'll dress you and they'll carry you, not necessarily where you want to go. You'll be totally out of control. Well, we read that, and we understand that is totally true. But now John says this is not exactly what he was saying. He said he spoke this signifying by what death he would glorify God. Some might say, well, don't we have... Don't we have these things out of order where you stretch out your hand and then you're girded and you're carried where you don't want to go because we know that Peter was crucified. What John records as the word of Christ describes the actual process of crucifixion. And and that is this, you'll stretch out your hands. And we think of people being carried to the cross, stretching out their hands as they were placed on the cross after they get to the place of execution. However, many times they stretched out their hands and they were lashed to the crossbeam. And then they were girded with a loincloth and then they were led away to the place of crucifixion. So we understand when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and you'll be bound and you'll be carried to a place you don't want to go. He said this signifying what death Peter would die to glorify him. Now, John understood this because by the time John wrote the gospel, scholars really been historians, Peter had already died. John knew about this. And he looked back and he said, now I know what Jesus was saying. Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 21, he was very honest. They'll lay hands on you. You'll be delivered up to the synagogues and to the prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. He never told them it would be easy. He never told them they could get rich at being a Christian. He never told them that their life would be filled with blessing after blessing and nothing hard would come. He said this. He said, if the world hates me, they'll hate you too. And then he said... In this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus was quite honest. But I like the last half of this, but you be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But he tells Peter, Peter, this is the path that you'll trod. Then he says, but you still follow me. Follow me, which brings us to the third beautiful message in the closing verses the unchanging invitation of Jesus. He said, follow me. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus had said this to Peter. This takes Peter right back to the start. If you follow the progression of events, in John chapter 1, we realize that John the Baptist had some disciples, and one of them was Andrew, and they followed Jesus Christ, and Andrew went and got his brother Peter, and brought him to Jesus, and Jesus said, From now on I'm calling you the rock, Peter, Cephas, the stone. Then later on in Mark chapter 1, we see where Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, the same lake that they're at right now, and he sees Peter and Andrew in their boat. And he asked them, of course, to let out for uh, a, a catch. And, of course, the catch is so big, Peter realizes he's dealing with God Almighty. And Jesus says this, Peter, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. That's when it all started. It all started when Peter made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. It says that Peter and Andrew left their boats, and they followed Jesus. And for three years, he followed Jesus faithfully, saw what Jesus did, of course, then we realize the night of the crucifixion, the night of the betrayal, all that had happened. And through everything that had happened, now we come to this point by the same lake that it all started at. And you know what Jesus said? The same words. Follow me. The message never changed. Even though everything had changed in the life of Peter, the message never changed. Follow He even repeated in verse 22, you follow me. It's quite interesting. The verb structure here is not a once and for all one time decision, although it does take a deliberate decision. The verb structure is this, Peter, keep on following me. Keep on following me. A lot is different since I first spoke the words to you and a lot is going to change and it's not going to be easy. And your life will be hard at times. You follow me. Now, we understand that Peter got it. Because if you read through the letters of the Apostle Peter toward the end of the uh, New Testament, you'll realize Peter says, you follow Christ even through sufferings. And you can even rejoice even through through sufferings. The unchanging invitation, it never changes. It has not changed in 2,000 years. If we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to keep on following him. Not just say we belong to him, but to follow him. So we have, up till now, we have, of course, the reliability of the word, of what we're reading in the book of John. We have the total honesty of Jesus. We have the unchanging invitation. The fourth message that we have comes in the thoughtfulness of John to clean up a misunderstanding. Now, we go back to what Jesus was saying to Peter. He said, "'Most assuredly, I say to you, "'when you were younger, you girded yourself "'and walked where you wished. "'But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. "'Another would gird you and carry you "'where you do not wish.'" This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper, saying, Lord, is this the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? you follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren, this disciple would not die, that Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come. What is that to you? You see, there was a misunderstanding here at what Jesus said. And John even mentions some people have misunderstood what Jesus said, and he wanted to clear that up. Here's the reason why. They were thinking, that Jesus Christ would come before John died. That's not what Jesus said, but that's what they were thinking. And they were telling others that. So obviously there were a sizable number of believers who said Jesus would not die until, John would not die until Jesus came back. Now, John's getting old. John's getting old and people are getting worried. John's getting concerned because he knows if he passes away, Before Jesus comes back, all of those who believe this misinformation would be disillusioned. They would lose hope. They would be confused. So he wanted to clear this up. He wanted to clear it up. This is not what Jesus said at all. He said, Peter, if I want him to remain till I come back. You see, what he's saying is this. I have a path that I've chosen for you. Peter, this path is that this is the way you'll die. He would not die a natural death to old age. Quite in the contrast, scholars understand that John actually lived to be an old man. He went from Jerusalem pretty much to Ephesus and pastored at Ephesus for years and years, interrupted only by when he was on the Isle of Patmos came back to Ephesus and lived to be a very, very old man and died a natural death. Quite the opposite of Peter. So what we're dealing with is this is the path that you'll go, Peter. This is the path I've chosen for you. This is the path I've chosen for John. It's quite different than the path I've chosen for you. Regardless of what I've chosen for you, regardless of what I've chosen for John and how different that may be, you Follow me faithfully in the path I've laid out for you. You follow me. So he cleared this up. This is not what he said. This is exactly how he meant it. But in this consideration of John to clear up this misinformation is a beautiful message. It's found in three words. And we don't want to miss that. It's one of the most beautiful messages in the Bible. He said this. If I will that he remain till I come. Now, the closing verses of the book of John, even in kind of an aside where he clears up a misunderstanding, Jesus never left us in doubt of that fact that he's coming again. Till I come. That was never in debate. That was never the if. The if was, if he remains till I come. It was a definite fact established that he is coming again. I had written, uh, wrote, read some articles that had been written about the life of Christ. Someone actually was bold enough to say, all these Christians talking about the second coming, Jesus never really clearly said that he would come again. Oh, really? In the book of John, chapter 14, verse 1, I do not know how it could get any clearer than this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place before you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to this, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. I will come again. Is there any doubt what Jesus said? He said he would come again. Now, this is anchored in the book of John. Now, John wrote another book. John wrote another book that he put his name on, and that is the book of the Revelation. And quite appropriately, in the closing verses of the book of the Revelation, just like the closing verses in the book of John, John wants us to make sure of the intention of Jesus Christ. And back in the back of the book, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. I don't know about in your Bible, but these, these words are in red, so always zero in on the red letters. These are the words of Jesus. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. There's no doubt there. But just, just so we didn't catch it the first time, he repeats it again in verse 12. And behold, I am qu- coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold, I am coming quickly. And just to make sure we didn't miss it, the very last verses. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Even so come, Lord Jesus." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. A beautiful message from the beautiful closing verses of the book of John and of the entire Bible. This beautiful message is this. Surely I'm coming quickly. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again and the invitation has not changed. Follow me. In the closing verses, John mentions these things, the reliability of the word, the unchanging invitation, the promise of the coming of Christ, and then he directs the reader's attention to the mighty things that Jesus did. He says there are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. Now, why would he do these things? Simply because Jesus did those things, and he was trying to verify it was true, of course. However, he mentioned these things before. He mentioned these things before in the last verses of chapter 20, and he says it this way, And truly Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Sounds like the same statement, but catch this. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God and believing you may have life in his name. This is not just a history book about the life of Christ. This is a gospel tract to share with the world. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, sinners that are doomed. Sinners by our own sin deserve the wrath of God. But he says, let me tell you about the life of Christ. Here are the things that he did Here's the things that he said, and I wrote these things down so that you can believe on Jesus Christ. These words are true, and by believing, you can have life through his name. Do you have that life? You can trust the words of God. They are true. They are verified true. These things were validated as being true. And for 2,000 years, the world has changed, but the message has not changed. Follow Jesus Christ, he's coming again. Don't be left unprepared when Jesus comes because he says, I'm coming quickly. So follow Christ, have life through his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a beautiful book. We thank you for the beauty of the words that are written to close this book and to open this book. Father, let us not catch the urgency of the message to follow Christ. Thank you for the promise that he's coming again. Father, we ask that we would all look at our lives and make sure we're prepared for that coming. Thank you, Father, that we can take comfort no matter how bad things get here. Jesus said, I'm coming so that you can come and I'll take you to be with myself. Father, we know the outlook of this world may be bleak, but the outlook for the Christian is wonderful. Thank you for these unchangeable truths of the coming of Christ, of the home eternal in the heaven, of the comfort and strength and companionship even through our greatest trials. May we be like John and the closing words of our life be beautiful as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you and may God bless you.